Before we begin today's show, I'd like to urge you to consider a donation to the Leading Age Disaster Relief Fund. 100% of all donations will go directly to members and their staff to cover a range of needs, including basic supplies such as food and water. All donations are tax deductible. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Leading Age Workforce Innovators, a Leading Age podcast. This conversation is part of a series by the Leading Age Center for Workforce Solutions that examines promising practices and innovations to meet workforce challenges. I'm Gene Mitchell, editor of Leading Age magazine, and today we're speaking with Steve Fleming, president and CEO of Wellspring, a life plan community in Greensboro, North Carolina, about its orientation program that focuses on training and retention for CNAs. Welcome, Steve. How are you today? Doing great, Gene. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling our audience about the thinking behind your program? What led Wellspring to take this approach? Gene, we were attempting to tackle the problem that probably 10 years ago was more prevalent than it is and, and now is raising its head again. We've gone through a relatively calm period in, in terms of recruiting and retaining certified nursing assistants. But at the time, we were having a difficulty in our ability to both attract and retain certified nursing assistants. Our turnover rate was somewhere north of 60%, uh, and we had issues, short staff shortages uh, at times, overtime. And so we needed to tackle that in a proactive manner. And interestingly enough, some of the innovative programs I'm going to talk about today, I picked up through leading age networking and finding and taking bits and pieces of what other people might have been doing and, and compiling our own custom program. That's one of the real values in leading age membership is the ability. And, and I find a lot of these things at the leading age annual meeting is the ability to find what others are doing, not reinvent the wheel, but perfect its roundness in many ways. So we were attempting to tackle the retention problem. And so therefore we tried to come up with a program that would also improve the quality of care for our resident population, but ease the burden on our human resource staffing, human resource function in terms of the recruitment effort that we were having to make for certified nursing assistants. Can you explain the details of the process, perhaps by walking us through what a new CNA would experience when they join your staff? Sure. So certified nursing assistant joins our staff, which, boy, that process in and of itself has evolved so much over really the last five years as we implemented the use of social media and other ways of attracting our staff. But as we are able to track CNAs, and we also have an affiliation with the local specular art program from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And luckily enough, they require as part of their curriculum that their juniors have, have their certified nursing assistant certification. So we also tap into that resource as we look to recruit these individuals. But they would come on board with us once they've gone through the recruitment process. And let me say, you know, we're tr working diligently to shorten that process as well, making that as expeditious as possible, given we do have 
of course, state and federal guidelines to follow with background checks and so forth. But we have expedited that program. And we do orientation, a general orientation with our certified nursing assistants and all staff, quite frankly, weekly. It's all done on a Wednesday. And then for our certified nursing assistants, they are paired with a mentor. Not a single CNA that comes on board with us at Wellspring has an assignment until they tell us they are ready for an assignment on their own. In other words, they're always paired with their mentor, and we build that into our budget process. And normally, after a four to six shifts, the individual's ready to go on their own, and they tell us they're ready to go on their own. But they're assigned to these mentors, and these mentors are incentivized to provide the training and to retain the new CNAs that come on board with us. So I, I mentioned that we were north of 60%. This was well over 10 years ago. And today we're south of 15% as far as turnover rate for our certified nursing assistants. So we believe it's a program that works very well. We also are doing, with our new hires, we do a 90-day questionnaire around their mentoring process to make sure that thought or believe that it was beneficial to their overall success as a certified nursing assistant within the Wellspring system. So those are just a few of the nuances of the program, um, and I can provide a little more detail if you wish. Yes, please do. Okay. So with the mentors themselves, the mentors are really key to this process, and we use it as a type of career ladder for our certified nursing assistants that are on staff. We give them the ability through a six-week training program to become a mentor automatically they get a 50 cent raise their hourly wage upon completion of the mentor program just as a as a sign from wellspring that we believe that they are committed and that they've gone through this program and that they should should receive some additional compensation but then we incentivize them for each individual mentor if their mentor makes it past 90 days they get 50 dollars if they their uh, 50 dollar bonus if their mentor makes past 180 days, they get $150 bonus. And if their mentor makes it past a, a year, they get a $250 bonus. And that's for each person they mentor. Obviously, they can't mentor more than one at a time on in, an individual shift that they're working. But they're, in many cases, they're able to mentor one or two, maybe three individuals over the course of the year, which could potentially be up to $1,000 in their pocket for retaining these staff members. We believe that's been very successful in, in helping us lower our turnover rate overall. And, but it also provides the mentor, again, with that career ladder, that ability to garner additional wages and essentially doing the same job, but uh, yet providing training and the ability to pass on their experience, especially, as I mentioned, with these nursing students, especially to them, in a way they may never receive in a baccalaureate training program. How do you evaluate your orientation and training process? Uh, in other words, how do you measure success? Gene, first and foremost, it is that retention rate. Part of the coursework is interpersonal skills, is the development of interpersonal skills. We've had mentors that having difficulty relating to their mentees and their ability to train individuals. You know, sometimes we can take the best technical person and try to make them a trainer or a supervisor, and we do a disservice both to them and to the person they're trying to train or supervise. And so we've had to be careful about that, but retention is very important, 
It's the, really the one we utilize. Just recently, we've gone to the 90-day post, immediate post-hire questionnaire. It's only a five questions. We do it through SurveyMonkey electronically, and that is our one of our satisfaction measures that we'll be being using in the future around the total program. So we'll use both retention and the satisfaction rates from those surveys as a tool for our mentors. In the annual evaluation of the mentor, we will use this data, both retention and now the satisfaction scores. As a potential, we can't give a, a very high percentage increase over the average, but we can give some increase on annual basis to the mentor that's doing an exceptional job in terms of the retention. And it's not retention, by the way, you only use the term voluntary termination as we measure retention. It's not involuntary. If we have to make an involuntary separation, that doesn't count against the mentor. That's Wellspring's fault. We didn't do a good job of screening and that process, but these only relate to voluntary terminations. So retention is our number one tool to measure for success. What happens in the case of a new employee that needs additional training or orientation after going through this process? I think I said earlier, Gene, that one of the things that we have in this program is there is no time frame for the individual being mentored. That person tells us when they feel comfortable taking a full assignment. So if that, it's really customized to the individual. We try to say it's usually over six shift cycle that they really need to be one-on-one -on -one with their mentor. But by the way, the mentor never leaves. The mentor is incentivized, obviously, to keep them up for the three month and the 180 and the full year period of time, but if they, so that mentor is always going to be with them, always going to be counseling them and assisting them, but they just won't be actually doing the work with them necessarily on a day in, day out basis. But we do see the average being about four to six shifts with direct work with a mentor, but we always tell our new hires, you have as long as you want. And if you tell us you need a month, you get a month. And especially for our young, some of our younger staff members who might be first time CNAs, we have a number of individuals who are either in nursing school, they want to go to nurse on to get their nurse practitioner degree, or they want to go to PA school and, or even med school. As we know more and more of the postgraduate professional degrees are requiring experience in healthcare, in the setting, uh, such as CNA. And so we'll take time with these individuals because we think that'll pay off long term. And maybe they'll even come back and be our medical director one day. But in, in all reality, they'll be better with our residents and our participants and clients in our programs if they have more time and orientation. So we would rather spend the dollars there and, and give them the time they need. And so there's, there's really I won't say the sky's the limit in the time, additional time that they might need in going through orientation, but they can tell us, I need more time before I'm ready. We want them to be fully confident before taking an assignment. What are the greatest challenges you face typically when onboarding new frontline staff? The greatest challenges, Gene, are those that are external to our workplace life circumstances for the individuals that are that come on board with us. Most of our new hires and most of our staff will tell us we can be a we are a refuge in, in a storm and in, in many of them's personal lives 
they may be have tough family situations, tough child-rearing situations, school situations where they're they're working and trying to go to school at the same time. They've taken on student loans, so forth and so on. And so those pressures begin to mount and will affect them, uh, obviously, from, from a workplace standpoint. So I, I, I like to say that trying to work with individuals, work with their schedule, and get them committed to us. As we know, there is an exponential relationship between the amount of time one is with an organization and the commitment that they have to the mission of the organization, to the individuals that we serve in our, our world here at Wellspring. And the thing that we're seeing is if we can get them to stay for 30 days, they're probably going to stay for 90 days. And if they stay for 90 days, they're probably going to stay for a year. One of the things that I like the most about my observations of our program is seeing these kids that may go off to college somewhere else, some other city, either in North Carolina or across the country, they come back here for their summers or their breaks to work. And, and I think that's a testimony to the fact that we've created this environment um, through both the mentor program and hopefully just our, our cultural program altogether, that they feel it's a refuge from some of these life circumstances that are out there. That is the biggest challenge. The other piece of the challenge is just getting in, in some cases, not all cases, but getting the individual to orientation. That's the first battle. We can get, we can interview people and we can have things scheduled that they're, here's your start date, uh, here's your orientation date. But again, either life circumstances come into play or maybe, maybe even competing forces for that individual's employment come into play, but they either don't show, they don't return a phone call. So those are some disappointing factors that come into play as we onboard new, new staff. Okay, and finally, uh, if other leading age members would like to replicate your program, what would you tell them about how to get started? My exposure over the years, this is my 31st year in being involved as a leading age member, that networking with others exposed me to programs like this. What I have found is that most people in most of our organizations in leading age especially those that might not be in, in an individual's primary market area, are more than willing to share with other leading age members in order to make them better, the individual that's asking for the assistance and for the organization that gives the assistance. Because in many times, if folks will come and ask us, well, how did you do this? We'll learn from them some things that they're doing that assist us in making our program more robust or maybe we found something in our program now that's obsolete that we really need to change because we heard what somebody else was doing. What I would say is plug into leading age and it's whether it's at the state affiliate level, the, the local level, or the national level. Either one is that when you look to replicate a program like this, learn from others and improve upon what they did. Don't try to necessarily reinvent the wheel. I'd love to say we're a very innovative organization. I think we are a open organization and we're open to hearing what other people are doing and tailoring that to our particular needs. And I think that's what other leading age members need to do is to build their network, try to find out what others are doing to tackle a specific problem and then tailor it to their specific needs. Thank you, Steve, for speaking with Leading Age. Thank you, Gene. Pleasure being with you.
Thanks for listening to another Leading Age Workforce Innovators podcast. You can learn more about our guests' program on the Leading Age Center for Workforce Solutions website. I'm Gene Mitchell. Our producer is Charlie Visconage, and the Center for Workforce Solutions is led by Susan Hildebrandt. You can listen and subscribe to more Leading Age podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and if you like what you've heard, please give us a rating. Thanks for listening. <laughs>